Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 14th chapter. Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. May we think those things that are right, and by the Holy Spirit's guiding, accomplish them. Being able to understand how things work is one of the special privileges that we have as human beings. We have been created differently. We've been created in the image of God. We understand a lot of things. And it's not just we who are living who have understood how things work. Generations before us have understood how things work too. For hundreds of years, people have been writing down what they have learned about how things work, and each generation teaches the next, so that we've built up a vast amount of knowledge about how things work. Understanding the truth about how things work has always proven to be a great blessing. If you have a job, no matter what that job might be, you've probably been taught how best to do things based on how things work. Farmers have learned how plants and animals work. Doctors have been taught how bodies work. Mechanics have been taught how engines work. It is very beneficial to know how things work and to act accordingly. But it's not just in our workaday lives that we learn how things work. We are taught how things work in every area of life, although in other kinds of things we might not talk about these things as seriously or as carefully. So, for example, we've been taught how we can be happy. Maybe even if it's not formal, we learn that kind of from mom and dad. We've been taught what behavior is acceptable and what behavior is unacceptable. We've been taught what life is for and what we should strive after. Again, perhaps just by example. These are, in fact, very religious topics. Let's match up these things that I've just mentioned with the way that the Bible talks. We talk about being happy. The Bible talks about being blessed. 
we talk about what's right and wrong, the Bible talks about being justified or being condemned. We talk about what life is for and what we should strive after. The Bible talks about the holiness of God. The way that the Bible talks is often dismissed in our times as being unimportant or maybe unknowable. Even Christians can't agree about everything and how to be happy and what's right and wrong and so on. Well, there's a lot of debate about that and everybody's got their own opinion and maybe it's not even true and so on and so forth. So there's a tendency to just throw up your hands. Instead, what is seen as really important is how things work in those topics with which I began. It is our understanding of stuff like chemistry and hydraulics and electronics, etc., that has made our civilization as advanced as it is. And plus, if you learn how these things work, you can do practical stuff and people will probably pay you for it and that'll make you happy, right? So it's assumed that this blessedness business just isn't very practical. Therefore, we are prone to politely ignore anything that we don't already know in this realm of life. Life is hard enough the way it is. We've all got our jobs and need to keep entertained and feel good about ourselves. I suspect, therefore, that at least many of you might have run out of patience when you heard the gospel reading being read this morning. Jesus' words don't teach you how to have more money. They don't teach you how to make technological advancements. Our flesh then can't help but ask, well then what's the point? If this talk won't advance my bottom line and if it won't create labor-saving devices for society, then it just must be a bunch of gobbledygook. And I can understand why people might think of it as gobbledygook if they don't know what's going on in this realm. I, for example, would probably have a similar reaction if I were to crack open an advanced physics textbook. What are all these lines and signs and symbols and dots? I can't make heads or tails of this stuff, but a physicist who knows how physics works is going to understand at least something about it. And in like manner, we Christians should approach Jesus' words. Jesus himself says in our reading, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you don't want to hear what Jesus teaches, if you think you know already everything that you need to know, if you think it's just a bunch of gobbledygook, well, guess what that says about your supposed love of Jesus? You love Jesus, but you can't be bothered to learn. You don't like it, 
when he talks, unless he talks in a way that you want him to talk. And that's quite the love you've got there. Imagine if there were a physicist who never wanted to study physics, or he only wanted to understand the physics according to what he already knew and understood. He probably wouldn't be much of a physicist. We Christians are called disciples, and another word for disciple is students. We are students, students of Jesus. And why? It's because we believe that he will teach us how to be happy. And some of what Jesus teaches is easy, some of it less so. And this is a distinction that even the Bible makes. The apostles speak about milk and about solid food. There is a time for drinking milk, and there is a time for eating solid food. You can't give solid food to a baby. And on the other hand, you can't forever keep feeding milk to people either. That would make them weak and malnourished. There's been a tendency among us to do just that, however. It is very common for people to refuse to see solid spiritual food as being necessary. That's another way of saying that it's not necessary to grow. It's not necessary to study. But you should perceive that there's something wrong here if you compare it to how we act in all the other things in life. With other things in life, we learn how they work and we adjust our actions accordingly. Shouldn't that also be true in this spiritual realm as well? When was the last time that you learned something from Jesus and adjusted your actions accordingly? And we pastors and teachers have been at fault too. We do not always love Jesus enough to treasure what he commands or to believe what he has promised. There's an occupational hazard for us pastors and teachers to rattle off the same old tired phrases. Nobody gets upset at those old tired phrases, but nobody tends to repent or change their ways with tired old phrases either. And this is not good. It's not good for anyone. Those who refuse to learn anything more than what they've always known and always assumed to be true are never going to feel at home with Jesus' commandments. And I think I can show this to you. Many of the things that Jesus commands don't sound too good or advantageous upon first hearing them. How does love your enemies sound? How does take the lowest spot sound? A recipe for success? Jesus gives a grand summation at one point. He says, if you wish to be my disciple, to be my student, then deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. There's nothing easier than ignoring or dismissing what we don't want to understand, and there's also nothing more common. 
but to refuse to understand how things work, to refuse to learn from Jesus, doesn't do anybody any good. And on the other hand, if we do learn from him, it will do us good, and it will do a lot of other people good too. What Jesus teaches is good and true. It works, and we are in such need of it. You know, it seems to be agreed upon what is so important about life and the surefire ways that our society is supposed to succeed, but it certainly doesn't seem like it's working very well. Perhaps never before in the history of this world has there been so many riches accumulated as we now enjoy with all of our advancements. But here's what I want to know. Where's the happiness? Jesus can teach you how to be happy. He can teach you how to be happy, but I tell you what, it takes guts. Try following his commandments, if you dare. You'll be happy. Just try it out. But before you try them out, you probably first just need to learn what they are. I'm sure you've heard them before, but I'm not sure that you've actually listened to them. Which of you were listening intently to what Jesus said in our Gospel reading? I wouldn't be surprised if, after a couple of sentences, you kind of checked out because, you see, he went from one topic to another and he talked about asking the Father for a helper, the Spirit of Truth, and he said, you know him and he's with you and in you. And I wouldn't be surprised if you just figured, well, this is all just too difficult for me, or it won't work for me, and what good will it really do me? We've been tricked. We've been tricked into thinking that what is really good, really beneficial, is to understand how things work so that we can make a living. That is what is deemed as being all important. One's relationship with God, one's happiness, the meaning of life, one's sense of self, these and similar things have been deemed unimportant. And if that's true, well then that means that the vast majority of what the Bible teaches is also unimportant. And maybe the only use we can make of the Bible then is to mine it for some motivational phrases that we can pluck out here and there that agree with how we already think about being happy. So here's my recommendation for the next time you come across some scripture that you don't immediately understand. Don't ignore it. Don't let it pass through one ear and out the other. If anything, you should have the opposite reaction. Instead of lazily dismissing it, you should perk up your ears because here you have something to learn about how things work how things work when it comes to happiness or the meaning of life or your relationship with God and so on. These topics are not the sidelight of your life. They're the main thing. It's the eternal thing. So be patient and attentive. Be a student. 
of Jesus. Work hard. Pray for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit to teach you, which Jesus himself says that he will give to those who ask him. So in closing, I'd like to do something that we don't usually do. I'd like for us to ask for the Holy Spirit and to listen again to Jesus' words. And I'm going to give you a couple things to pay attention to. Pay attention to his many promises. Listen to what he says about the Holy Spirit. At the end of the reading, he says some very important things about you and the Father and him. We're talking about God here and you. These are practical teachings about the most important things in life. So listen to what Jesus says. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, Jesus says. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. Now, you might not have understood everything. I'm not sure I understood everything, but that's okay. The Holy Spirit will keep teaching you if you will keep listening to Jesus' words. Please stand. He who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We confess our faith using the Nicene Creed on page 158. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and